you are so lovely and so holy, and we know that you are in this place. We know that you are here, and Father, I just ask that you speak through me, that you make your word known today, and that whatever is prophetic, whatever is practical, God, that you just uh, shine it on this congregation this morning, and you just let it be known uh, what you want your people to hear, God. We love you. You are worthy. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, uh, Matthew 17, in verse 20, I'm going to read it again. It says, He said to them, Because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Now, impossible in the Greek uh, means not to have strength. That's literally what it means. So if nothing is impossible, you literally have strength to conquer that, right? So if it's impossible, you're weak. You can't do it. If it's not impossible, you're strong. We got that? So this is going to be the the main um, bulk of what I'm going to get at is a strong presence. So that's what I'm going to talk about, okay? A strong presence. So if it's impossible, you don't have the strength to do it, if nothing is impossible, he's going to give us the strength to do it, right? The Bible speaks very often about strength, strength to move mountains, strength to slay giants, right? You can think of the, the great heroes of the faith, right? Or you can even think of like Paul and Silas, uh, different occasions where they had the strength to do something that looked like they were weak. But they had strength to do something, right? David was a little boy. didn't look like he had strength. He slayed the giant, Goliath, right? Paul and Silas, they had been beaten. They were put in prison. Uh, they had the strength to worship all through the night until the prison uh, doors opened, right? Okay, you with me? So the Bible constantly talks about strength. And strength, when we look at especially the, the Greek, it says uh, that strength can mean three, three specific things. Refuge. So you know the verse, God is my refuge and strength, right? Present help in time of trouble. So strength, refuge, dominion, and power. So if you have strength, you are in the refuge of God, okay? You have something protecting you, right? Samson, when he had his strength, that's what protected him, right? When he didn't have strength, he was weak, right? So he had that refuge. Dominion. A little different, but with strength as dominion, it can also mean authority, right? We have the authority. If we have strength, we have the authority, the dominion to conquer that, right? We have the reign, the domain, okay? And then power. We know what that means. So strength, you have the power to do something. The strength of the church and the individuals who make up that church seems to be significantly lacking. We seem to not have protection. We seem to not have dominion or authority. And we seem to not have power. Are you with me? I know it's tight, right? But I'm going to help us 
try to get out of that mindset that we as a church have to be weak. You can be humble, but you don't have to be weak, right? You can be powerful and humble at the same time. When we look at Jesus' life, he was nothing but humble, but he was anything but weak. You got me? Okay. So looking back at Matthew 17, we see that Jesus was uh, addressing the same issue. Okay? But we have to look a little closer to see. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of parse the text for you to see the, this connection. But Jesus uh, comes to this place and this crowd comes before him and the, the man brings his son and says, you know, my son's been having seizures. He causes himself to fall on fire, fall on water, all this stuff. And Jesus knows what? It's a, it's a demon, right? He's possessed by a demon. Okay. So Jesus, his first thought is that he wants to heal this man, right, this boy. But the, the man that brings the boy over says, I brought him to your disciples who have been with Jesus, right, constantly. This is Matthew 17. So we have this whole time frame where the disciples have already been following Jesus, right, already seen miracles, but they weren't able to heal the boy, okay? So Jesus caused the whole generation faithless and twisted. And then the um, translators put here uh, 20 because of your little faith. So the disciples said, why could we not heal this boy? Because of your little faith. Okay. Some translations, I think King James, New King James put because of your unbelief. Okay, and that's because earlier in the text, Jesus calls them a faithless and twisted generation. Faithless, we go to unbelief. But if you literally look at the word here, the reason why I'm using this translation, little faith, the word is osteopistus. Pistus is faith, and osteo means little. But if you look closer at that word in the Greek, it's not little as in like, uh, this is a little, a little drink, right? Or a little microphone. But it's little as in time. Okay? Short. So this would be better looked at as you have short faith. You have a little bit of time faith. Okay? When we continue to read, we look and see that Jesus says, but if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. So the reason why we have to look closer in little faith and see that it means time and not size is because Jesus says you have little faith and that's why you couldn't heal the boy. But if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. And this is contradictory because the mustard seed is tiny, right? It's one of the smallest seeds. That can produce a large plant, right? But if I have little faith and can't heal somebody, how can I have little faith and move a mountain? Doesn't make any sense. And it's because Jesus is talking about intimacy. He's talking about relationship. He's saying what you have is faith that you pull out of your pocket when you need it. You have faith that you only want when the time is right. Okay? You have faith when you pull out and you say, okay, you need to be healed. Hang on. 
Let's see. There's a dollar bill. There's an old gum wrapper. Yeah, okay, there's my face, right? But what Jesus is saying is that you need faith. Yes, it can be small, right? But it's going to produce something big, but you need it all the time. Not just when you need it, but the faith is that relationship to constantly be in communication with Holy Spirit. Whether you're in Food Lion, wearing a mask and nobody else is, and they're going the wrong way past you, all up in your business, you still need to have that constant communication presence with God. You with me? All right. Marie's laughing because she goes the wrong way every time. All right, so it's about intimacy. It's about relationship. Now let's read from Isaiah 40, 31. And I really like the Passion Translation. Most translations uh, for this verse are very, very similar. But the Passion Translation uh, just kind of gives that extra oomph that I like. So here's what it says. Isaiah 40, 31, the Passion Translation. But those who wait for Yahweh's grace will experience divine strength. They will rise up on soaring wings and fly like eagles, run their race without growing weary, and walk through life without giving up. Right? Those who wait on the Lord, those who wait for Yahweh's grace is what the Passion Translation says. But we know those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. But that waiting doesn't mean that I'm going to sit there and just wait for it to come. Okay? I've also heard another way where that waiting is a lot like you're just constantly serving, like a waiter or waitress, right? But that's not what this is talking about. It's not that I'm going to go and constantly serve, continually serve until I'm worn out and he's just going to renew my strength because I'm waiting on other people. That's not what it means either. Can it happen? Yes. Is that what this means? No, that's taken out of context. Okay? The word waiting in the Hebrew... Literally means to twist, stretch, attention of enduring, right, and waiting. In the Assyrian, it is to wait, or it also is the word for a cord. In the Arabic, it means strong, strength, and it's also the word for a strand of rope. Okay, so we've got twisting and stretching. We've got a cord. And we've got a strand of rope. Then in the Syriac, it's endure, remain, await, threads like spider's web. Like a spider's thread. So we read it this way, but those who are twisted around the Lord, those who have formed a cord with the Lord, right, will renew their strength. Have y'all ever seen um, when somebody takes two phone books and they intertwine every single page? Have you seen that just raise your hand? If not, I'll explain it. So Mythbusters did this a while back, and what they did was they took two phone books and they took every single page and alternated. 
so that the two phone books were put together like this, right? And then they took two, uh, like, four trucks, and they create, uh, created, um, put ropes on each end, and they just, the uh, two trucks, they had them back up to try to pull the phone book apart. And these two trucks couldn't even pull the phone books apart because they were so intertwined that it created enough friction that no amount of strength could tear the pages apart. What eventually happened was the phone books just ripped at the spines and they were still connected at the pages. Okay? If you have a strong cord or a strong rope, it has different pieces of rope wrapped around itself, right? That creates a stronger piece of rope. You're not just going to have one string. You have one string like uh, a string of hair, a string on your clothes, you can snap it, right? But when you have multiple strings or multiple pieces of cord wrapped around one another, it's harder for them to be torn apart, okay? What are we wrapped around in this instance? We're wrapped around the presence of God. We're in intertwined. We're in communion with Him. If we're in communion with Him, what happens? We renew our strength. It's all about intimacy. Okay? Jesus speaks in John 15. He says, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So what are the commandments that, that Jesus gives? What does he say are the the greatest commandments. Anybody? Right. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. So in this, Jesus is saying that if you love me and if you abide in me and you stay one in me, what's he going to do? He's going to fill us up with his joy, right? If you keep my commandments, love one another, love God with everything you have, with your whole strength, right? It says that if you love me with everything, I'm going to renew you. I'm going to fill you up with my joy, with my presence. Okay? We good? I know it's a lot of scripture, but I'm trying to get y'all to this one point. You ready? You, ready? you good? All right. Cool. So, Nehemiah 8 says this. And Nehemiah, um, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Okay. So going back to John 15, Jesus says, If you love me, if you abide in me, if you stay in one with me, I will fill you up with joy. Nehemiah says that it is that joy 
that is our strength, right? Isaiah tells us that if we stay in one with God, we will renew our strength, right? So we have this overflowing, constant uh, um, pouring out of joy and of strength. But why is the church so powerless? It's because we have a lack of constant relationship. I've, I've done it, right? I've been there where I've dug in my pocket for my faith and my times of need, right? But we have to get to a place where we're in that constant relationship with him so that we're not digging around with our faith, but we just dig deep within us and say, God, I know you're there because I talked to you this morning. But the situation came up, right? And I need my strength to be renewed once more, right? I need my joy to be renewed once more. But one of the biggest problems with the church in finding its power is that the church does not know who they are. And the joy of the Lord that Nehemiah is talking about is for us. The joy of the Lord is you. If you do not know who you are and whose you are, it's unlikely that you realize that he delights in you. And I said this last time I was up here in this capacity that... You cannot base the love of God, how you see the love of God. You cannot base that on how you feel about yourself or how others feel about you. You cannot base the love of God on your past and what happened back then and what other people did to you. Because no one loves you like God does. But God loves you. And we go through life so normally that we act like we don't know who we are. Or we're in a constant state of almost depression because we don't have that joy. We don't realize that he delights in us. But Nehemiah says, do not weep. Do not mourn. Do you know what? why they're weeping and mourning? Because they're reading the book of the law to them, and they're hearing this, I guess, for the first time, and they just start crying and weeping because they're hearing the words of God. But when you hear the words of God, it's not a time to weep and mourn. It's a time to rejoice. Because when you hear the words of God, they're life-giving. He breathes through them, right? The word of God, word literally is breath. It's the breath of God. Jesus was the living breath of God. And so Nehemiah says, do not weep, do not mourn for the joy, the joy that is for you, the joy that is you. He is pleased with you. He is happy for you. It's the strength that's going to rise you up and stop you from mourning and take over your circumstances and give you uh, refuge and give you dominion and authority and give you power. But again, where is it? 
Why have we not seen it, right? We've had the second great awakening and we saw the New Testament church, right? In Jesus' time, but we also saw a church that was forced out of a building, right? And it almost seemed like we didn't exist unless you turned on a computer. You with me? Yes. Right? We had three, four months where churches had to figure out, okay, we can't go into a building, so what are we going to do? Maybe we can sit in our car and honk when we want to say amen. Or maybe we can turn on our computer and I'll be kind of like church. But church is not where you are or what you do. Church is who you are, right? The people of God are the church. And so the people of God are the ones that have to have that power. And you have to have that power by constant communion, not just on Sundays. And you have to have that power by constant relationship. And you have to have that power by digging in and renewing yourself by knowing that he delights in you. That he rejoices over you with gladness. This is scripture. I'm not making it up. He literally delights in his people. He literally rejoices joy, right? He gives joy over those that are his with gladness. I'm not bitter about it. So here's what I want to do. I want to prophesy a little more. And I want to uh, kind of give you a, an invitation, okay? And I know it was heavy, right? Accusing the church of being weak is kind of, you know, like giving you a punch to the gut, right? But we have to get in this place where... If we're out somewhere and somebody comes up to us and we perceive that they need healing, right? Because that perception comes with communion, right? Hearing the voice of God. We perceive that somebody is having a hard time financially and we need to slip them a few dollars. Anything, right? But we perceive that we need to be in a place where if we try to do something about it, it works, right? We need it to work. We need the kingdom to come through us by doing these things. Faith without works is dead, right? We need to see this stuff manifest. Because I don't want to be out somewhere and praying for somebody for them to be healed from the cancer that they're so terrified about, right? Or the pregnancy that, that seems to be going wrong, right? That we perceive and we're praying over them. We want that to be healed like that, right? You with me? You want to see the miracles in the streets, right? Yes. Peter just walked down the street one day and his shadow touched somebody and he was healed. Can I be in that place? 
right? Can the church be in that place where we're walking around? Can you imagine if every Christian walked around and their shadow was healing people, there would probably not be anyone sick, right? That's a whole lot of shadows. But we have to be in that place where it can happen because I don't want to be in that situation and then it come back to you just had little faith, right? You had short faith. You just wanted it for that time, right? You just had that relationship with me on Sundays. You just had that relationship with me when you uh, your car broke down or when you wanted to buy a house. That's the only time you had that relationship with me. And it's not that he's going to be mad at us for it, right? But in Jesus' prayer, he says, God, let your kingdom come here. And that is a call for us, not for him. His kingdom is available for every believer. It's up to us to perceive it, receive it, and deliver it. So do I have people, children of God this morning, that are ready to deliver the kingdom of God to those in the state school, Wilkesboro, wherever you're at area? Do I have people this morning? Yeah, one, two? Okay. So I'm going to prophesy over you. I want you to receive it. Okay? And if you don't, that's fine. But I'm tired of seeing a church that is weak. I want to see a church... That was talked about in the Bible, that we've seen in the Bible, that it has a strong presence. Okay? So I see a revival of intimacy and relationship for the sole purpose of returning strength and power and a strong presence back to the church. The power of the New Testament church included evangelism and salvation, but it also included healing and uh, restoration and resurrection. The power of the New Testament church included evangelism and salvation. Those are all good things, but it also included healing and resurrection. The apostles were in one mind, which we have to be, in one accord, following the commandments of Jesus by loving God with everything we have and loving one another and that little one that sneaks itself in, loving ourselves, right? And according to Jesus... This made the New Testament church, this made the children of God full of joy, overflowing, renewing so that they didn't run out because that joy came from God. That joy uh, supply was never ending and it renewed their strength, lifted them up so they could run the race without growing weary, so they could walk without fainting and so that there was that power there and I see it coming to the church and I'm okay with it starting here I'm okay with that fire starting in the hearts of the people in this building called True Vine Worship Center I'm okay with people walking around Statesville saying hey I heard something about this building down on Shady Rest Road and they're doing anything but resting Right. right 
The presence of God is there, and anytime somebody walks in, they walk out healed, right? I'm okay with that starting here. I'm tired of hearing that it happened in California and not in North Carolina. I'm tired of hearing that it happened on the streets of Europe and not the streets of Charlotte. I'm ready for the church to rise. If you're with me, stand up, raise your hand. Father, we want you. We want more of you because we know what we have seen is just the beginning, God. So pour out your joy in us. Everybody just say it together. You delight in us. You rejoice over us. Father, let us receive that right now. Let us take it deep within ourselves and know that there, there is nothing that can stop us, nothing that can make us weak. Because, Father, if we have just a small seed in constant relationship with you, we can do anything. Nothing is impossible for us, God. And we don't have to fear because we have a strong presence. Amen. Amen. Everybody say that with me. We have a strong presence. Thank you, Father. Yes. Thank you, Jesus.